Hey moms, was your dinner last night the leftover chicken nuggets from your kid's tray? Is your definition of self-care getting to close the door when you pee? If the only chance that you get for exercise are the squats that you do to pick up your kid's Legos, well then take a seat, mama. You're in the right place. I'm Corinne Crosley, psychotherapist, self-care enthusiast, and seriously imperfect mom of two kiddos. This is Mama Bites. Thanks for tuning in to the Mama Bites podcast. I'm Corinne, your host, and super excited to introduce you to uh, our second interview with Nicole Cruz. She was so much fun the first time we had to have her back. Um, But just before we launch into that, a couple of quick announcements. Uh, As I continue to talk about, I am super excited about the Self-Care for New Moms, uh, Thriving Through Your Postpartum Year book coming out. We're only about a month away or so, a little bit more than a month. April 20th, it hits the shelves and uh, it is now available for pre-order. So feel free to jump on Amazon, IndieBound or um, Barnes and Nobles to pre-order that. Or you can go right to the Mama Bites website and as soon as you come to the podcast that you've been listening to, there's also a button that says get the book hit that and you can pre-order. And the cool thing about that is there's a little bit of a pre-order discount on the website as well as a free plus, which is a signed copy. So if you'd like to get it uh, directly through the Mama Bites website, we'd love that from you. Um, Coming up, I'll have some online um, appearances coming up and I'll be talking about that in future podcasts. Future podcasts, uh, feel free to let us know what you want to hear about what you would like to hear an interview on. Um, We've already got some that are in the works, including talking with um, Megan Mountcastle on telehealth and uh, if you haven't done telehealth or maybe you've you've done telehealth with your doctor, but you don't exactly know what that would entail with therapy and you're still going back and forth, should I, shouldn't I, I don't know, um, we definitely will urge you to tune into that and, you know, we'll help guide you through what that is like in this climate. Also coming, something a little different, um, are some meditations. I've heard from so many listeners and so many clients about, I want to start a meditation practice. I'd like to try meditation. I've tried meditation and I stink at it. Um, And so, yeah, just going to throw some meditations up um, into the podcast feed as well as on the website. And so those meditations uh, will range from Uh, a longer meditation that you can do laying in bed uh, when you can't sleep to a three-minute meditation when you just need a breath and need a second. Um, But a couple of the meditations which are specific um, to our website and our listeners are some body image meditations. I know that most folks tune in to hear about intuitive eating and um, body image acceptance. And a lot of people tell me they don't know where to start. And it just feels like 
too big an issue, too far away from where they are. And so um, there'll be a longer meditation sort of based on loving kindness. There'll be a basic loving kindness meditation um, and also a shorter meditation. So hopefully some tools that you can use in your everyday life and um, something that you can really go to when, when you just need a moment. So those are coming and I'm really excited about those. Okay. On to talking about Nicole. Nicole Cruz is uh, the most fabulous dietitian. She is based out of California, but she has a 100% virtual practice. And so uh, depending on the circumstance, she could see anybody anywhere. Um, you would have to reach out to both her and um, your providers in terms of what that would look like. But if you love her, I urge you to consider that. She also has associates that work with her. And you can find all of that information on her website. We will talk about her website and um, her various sort of um, appearances on social media. Um, and I really urge you to follow her. She's so <laughs> wonderful and informative, but also like really funny, um, which we all need right now. She is a mom of three and um, sort of most close to our heart um, for those listeners who are struggling with recovery. She is a mom and a dietitian who is in recovery from an eating disorder. And you can read more about her recovery journey in her um, bio and her website. And again, I urge you to find her there. She's uh, a health at every size, an intuitive eating informed dietitian. And if those uh, are new phrases to you, I urge you to uh, find the show notes and sort of dig into some of the links. Also, we will talk about um, some of the definitions there. And um, those are things that I think people sort of already finding by the time they find the Mama Bites website and podcast. But um, I am happy to introduce anyone to those concepts. So without further ado, please enjoy this very fun podcast that I got to record with Nicole Cruz. Thank you so much for being on the Mama Bites podcast again, second time. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. I had such a great time chatting with you last time that I'm looking forward to doing it again. Yeah, we had to do it again for sure. Um, it's been so fun to see you in my Instagram feed and the just the this such fun and wonderful um, videos and posts that you've done that I just felt like I, I gotta I gotta reach out to her it would just be so great to talk to you anyway so I'm so glad that you've come back on how are you how are you doing how are you taking care of yourself it's gonna it's been kind of a year so <laughs> <laughs> to say the least right yes. <laughs> oh my gosh well thank you um you know, I'm getting by. I feel like it's, you know, I feel really fortunate to be able to say that, like, we're doing well. You know, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. overall, I, I have my three kids. I have three kids who are um, from three to eight years old. And it's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and, yes. You know, I'm doing school with them. And my youngest uh, normally would be doing some preschool hours, but they're, it's like a co-op style preschool. So that's totally closed. And sure. so yeah. I've got them all at home and I'm, you know, trying to work and trying to homeschool, you know, hybrid learning. They're still in their regular school, but trying to do that. And 
all the things, but like overall we're healthy and well and haven't been like greatly, greatly affected. So, um, so I feel fortunate in that way. And it's, it's a lot. (laughs) And it's a lot, right? Exactly. You can feel fortunate and it can feel like a lot at the same time for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, really thinking about it, here you are mom with a, with a front, front row seat, right? And also a dietitian with a front row seat. And, and, you know, it's really been interesting as a therapist to sort of watch this time evolve and be so aware of like how humans are being shaped in the moment, right? Like you can, like, it's that feeling of like, oh, this is, people are experiencing real significant change of course, we're all expe- experiencing change all the time, but especially now. And just sort of thinking about like you as a dietitian and just as a human, like what do you feel like you're noticing about this pandemic and really how it's it's challenging our relationships with food? It's changing our relationships with food. What do you what have you found in your travels? Yeah, it's it's so much for everyone. Um, I think, you know, when, when everything first started kind of shutting down, it was just so much of like, gosh, you know, the kids are at home, there's no breaks for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, it's hard because it's a lot of stress on everyone. And then, you know, in the beginning, again, there was so much um, fear about, is there going to be enough food? And how mm-hmm. do we get food? And so it brought up a lot of like scarcity feelings for people and especially people that have had trauma in that way um, in some form in the past, whether that was, you know, um, some form of self-induced, you know, dieting or disordered eating, Mm -hmm. or if it was from, you know, real um, lack of access to food. And so I think it's just been bringing up so much of that for people and, um, and then I think as things have progressed and things are more open, I'm not hearing about about that as much as mm-hmm. it's still like so many people are working from home. And I think a big piece of that, or, or what I hear from my clients anyways, is like, I'm working from home and I'm next to the kitchen all day. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that just feels really overwhelming, like to, to see the food there all day and to not be distracted or have other outlets or socialization or anything and so I think um that's been really hard for people to not have as many activities or distractions Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to also feel like there's nothing to do and I'm stuck in my house with food yeah yeah and that constant sort of like um stimulation you know sort of that um I'm trying not to use the not trigger but like um just that cue that cue of seeing the food all the time in the absence of so many other things. And so the cue feels louder and all these other things have sort of fallen away. Yeah. 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 Right. And then not having those same, like I've had so many clients say to me too, like all of my coping mechanisms feel like they're gone. Like all the things that I used to rely on or that I learned to utilize, whether that be like, 
going on a walk. You know, I have to, they would like take daily walks with a friend and now their schedules don't align or they're, mm. they don't want to be, you know, too close and that feels challenging or the kids are home and that feels hard or, mm-hmm. or other people that, you know, maybe did go to um, a class, you know, with other moms or to some sort of like gym, you know, workout or something like that might be gone. And then mom's nights out or, yeah, you know, just yeah. like getting together at the park, but being social, like, all of these things that they were learning to, that we all were learning to rely on, um, feel, you know, kind of stripped away. And I mean, I can relate to that too, sure, you know, it's yes. trying to find other, other yes. things. And it's, it's a challenge when we're so used to living one way and it does feel like, man, that's all gone. Right, right. And we had no idea. You know, we, I don't know that we knew we were so used to living that one way and we really, really were. <laughs> right. And it's not just like, I think it's not just one thing, you know, like I, I know as you probably do too, right. Like talk to our clients about like building up that toolbox and what are these yeah. like different things that, that you can do that are going to help you when you're having urges to act out or when right. you're just struggling and you, you need some a, a mood boost or you need to get out of your own head or like whatever those things are that you're struggling with what are these tools in your toolbox? And it just felt like, oh my gosh, they're all gone. It's not just like, oh, well, you know, this is like, and that, and that's kind of what I say. Like we try to talk to them about how do you build up that toolbox so yeah. that you can't always rely on one thing. And now it feels like, oh, they're all gone. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Which is also difficult as a provider to sort of like say, okay, let's put these things in your toolbox and yeah. And usually, you know, as a therapist, I'm used to, and I'm sure as a dietitian, um, especially your sort of um, corner of the universe with um, your practice is like, usually I'm used to like sort of challenging people and, and pushing right. back on the like, well, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I'm like, well, no, actually you, you can't do that right now. Or right. I hear why you can't do that. Yeah. 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 Like that would be great, but I can't. And it's like, oh yeah, that's like realistic. Like you really can't do that. Right. You know? Right. And right. Right. That's not a distortion. Yeah. And it's hard to get creative with those things. And I think so much, you know, I, I mean, just for me, even <laughs> talk so much about myself, but I think that like, it is trying to look at those, you know, internal things. Like I know I've had to work on, okay, what is this morning routine that I can try to create that involves some form of like, which I've done sporadically in the past, but now I'm like, oh, I really need like yeah. some regular like yeah. time that I'm devoting to this, you know, because I don't have again that like time with my girlfriends or whatever. And so yeah. it's like, okay, now I have to build this in and it's like, okay, how can I have that, you know, daily dose of a little bit of meditation and journaling and getting that like walk in or stretching in or whatever it is that's going to help me feel more connected and, you know, really trying to do that. And then having kids, it's like, okay, I can plan that morning routine. And sometimes it goes great. And other times it doesn't. And it's super frustrating because I'm like, no, this was my time. And now you're fighting and I don't get to do it or you're up early or, you know, so it's just a lot of things I think that we're trying to juggle and at the same time do the best to take care of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said, for sure. One of the things that really made me reach out to you was sort of hearing so much about um, clients struggle with particular um, 
behaviors like um, the one that really stuck in my head was food sneaking. And I, I was really thinking about that because thinking about that, yes, for kids, but also like moms talking about like, this feels, I'm struggling so much because on one side, um, I feel like I'm constantly monitored and I don't want to be constantly monitored. And on the other side, like this is such a, such a replay back to my disorder, right? Like even, even when I've made these strides in recovery, um, that this feels like so reminiscent of like sort of my darkest days. And so, yeah, I, that was kind of what finally kind of like made me reach out. Like, I really want to talk to somebody who really knows her stuff around this. And of course, like talking with clients individually about this, but, um, you know, what are sort of some of the things that you see replaying for people or, or so some of the ways that people are sort of, um, maybe even struggling with behaviors and, and knowing that those toolbox items are just different. Like what are some of the things that you feel like we can offer ourselves when we're in those struggles? Yeah, I think what you just said, you know, about the like sneak eating and stuff, um, it's so hard because it's, it's shameful for so yeah. many people. Um, and at the same time, like it's so normal because, it's that sense of like not maybe not having any sense of freedom anymore, feeling like there's any alone time. It's like husband might be or partner might be mm-hmm. working, mm-hmm. you know, from home now and kids are home now. And like, where is my time at all? Mm-hmm. And so I think that can sometimes feel like, okay, I just like want to do this thing on my own, you know, and um, it, it feels there's so much guilt wrapped around it, though, that yeah. it ends up feeling really crummy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in a way, it's it's a way of trying to cope and to soothe. And and so um, I just want to say, too, like, to anyone who is struggling with that, like, you're absolutely not alone. It is so normal. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I lead a, um, a support group on Thursdays. And so just yesterday, we're recording this on Friday. So just yesterday. Yeah. Um, we were talking in my group and it's on, you know, body acceptance and, mm. um, intuitive eating and, and health at every size are kind of like the foundations of it. And, uh, multiple people in the group really talked about this sense of like, you know, wanting to like get away and just be like alone with food in some sense, oh, like wow. yeah. really like wanting that feeling of like, it could feel soothing. It could be a distraction from having to feel all the other like discomfort that we're experiencing right now through the isolation and through being left with our own feelings, potentially not feeling good enough as a parent or um, in our jobs or, you know, as a partner, like all these things and and just not having outlets for that. Mm. Um, So I I just, I think it's like a really common thing right now to Mm. be experiencing these challenges with food. Um, So in terms of like, you know, wanting to um, have tools to deal with that, I know one thing that we, we talk about a lot is like journaling and stuff, but, and I know some people are hesitant to do that, but I think it can be a really powerful practice if you can use it in a way that's not necessarily to 
stop the behavior, but mm-hmm. to just say, like, I think I just need to check in right now, mm-hmm. you know? Like, if we can recognize that having those feelings and having those urges are kind of a flag that something else is, it's like the red flag, like, what are you tending to here? And that doesn't mean, like, mm-hmm. you can't go eat or you can't use that as a coping tool. You certainly can if you want to. Mm-hmm. But how can you bring more awareness to that? They're like, what is it that I'm really needing right now and is turning to the food really going to help me? And sometimes that is just like getting it out of your head. You know, yeah. what are all of my thoughts and feelings that are happening right now? And I know when I journal, sometimes I'm like, that, that was an angry journal. Like, it was just like my <laughs> hand was flying off the paper. Yeah. I'm just like, it's emotional. It's just like, get it out of my head right now, you know? And other times it doesn't feel like that, but there are times when it's just like, oh my gosh, there's so much floating through my brain right now. I just have to get it out, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I think if we can take some time for ourselves to kind of journal and to notice what's coming up, um, I'm, you know, always talking about too, like, how can we approach this with curiosity instead of judgment? Like, mm-hmm. if we can just recognize that it's a thought, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a thought to want to go to the food. It's a thought to want to take food and, you know, sneak in the other room with it or stay up late with it or whatever it is that you're doing. I have, you know, a mom that I wake up early to eat like last yeah. night's dessert before my kids got up or, yeah. you know, whatever it was. And it felt like this kind of, you know, alone time. But if instead of saying like, you know, you're so, insert every other horrendous name we can call ourselves, mm-hmm. right? You're so this, you're so that mm-hmm. for, for doing it. If we can kind of be curious and like, well, isn't that interesting that you're having the feeling that you want to go do this, you mm-hmm. know, that you're mm-hmm. thinking that would really help you right now or that that would feel really good. Like if we can approach that with some curiosity and some kindness and gentleness, we we get a lot more information about what it is that we really need as opposed to just beating ourselves up for the behavior, which often means we keep cycling in it because then we feel worse right, about ourselves right. and then we end up, right, shaming. And when we stay stuck in that cycle, we actually never get any information about why we might be doing it. Right. Yep. Yep. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So beautifully said. <laughs> You know, it could just be, it could be challenging, you know, to do that and, and sometimes to approach, especially when our thoughts are so geared towards like, we're so used to just beating ourselves up and being in that same um, way of thinking. It can be really hard to shift. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's sort of like the rest of the pattern, right? Like people don't even realize that's the rest of the pattern is like beating up on themselves and then sort of it feeds it back into the pattern. I right. was. It's like so automatic. Yeah. It's amazing. I was so struck by um, the way that you just like right from the outset answered this question too. And it really sort of moved me and how you were saying, oh, it's so normal. And and what if, you know, like just I'm, I'm hearkening back to um, what Jess, um, you know, the, the co-host of, of this um, this podcast has said that you're sort of like her wise mom nutrition voice in her head. And she, and she's not saying that lately. I know that that's the case for her, but um, what would happen if we just approached our behaviors around food and our struggles as, Oh, that's so normal. What's up though? (laughs) You know? Right. Yes. It like, 
it reminds me like sometimes, well, one of the other things that I've done to kind of take care of myself is I've gotten myself back into therapy. I like kind of go through phases sometimes and I'll take a break and I've been like, okay, I'm, I need this again, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and to get back into therapy. And, and I've said, you know, to my therapist, I'll be like, oh my gosh, when I say it out loud to you, I sound crazy. <laughs> I sound like a crazy person when I tell you my thoughts. Like, I can't believe it, you know? And she's like, no, you don't sound crazy. No, you yeah. sound human, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. It's like, I guess I can be gentle with myself yes. too. But sometimes it's like, gosh, we don't even realize those things that are just swirling around and causing our reactions and our behaviors and all these things and it takes like slowing down and really looking deeper and hearing them and sometimes when I like do that and I like feel where it's actually coming from and and the thought that I might have been having and what was driving it I I sometimes do think wow like you really are so hard on yourself and you sound kind of crazy You sound like you have such a lovely, gentle therapist. Sometimes I'll sort of, I am a little bit, um, I have like a dry sense of humor and I'll say to clients, you're going to have to try so much harder to sound crazy to me. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. She is lovely. But but yeah, exactly. Right. If we could just approach it as like, this is normal human behavior. Like our actions are normal human behavior. Our thoughts are all of these things. And if we didn't, if we didn't automatically take our thoughts as just beliefs that we have to act on or that we take as these truths, if we actually like, you know, stop and we're like, wow, that's an interesting thought, you know, and I wonder where that's coming from. And we're more exploratory instead of just Oh, harsh with ourselves. Um, You know, I think we'd get more information and we would um, be able to come more from a place of self-love and self-care when it comes to these behaviors Mm -hmm. instead of just kind of reenacting them over and over because we're beating ourselves up and then we stay stuck in it. Yeah. So beautifully said. I, I feel like you're actually sort of perfectly transitioning in into sort of those questions I had about s- ways that that these same things can be coming up for kids as well. And I was, you know, I sort of referenced the the sneak eating question in terms of like we could be talking about moms, we could talk be be talking about kids. And then again, as you started to answer the question, I was like, oh, and in the answer, we could be talking about moms and kids at the same time, right? Like a child who's sneaking food might be actually sneaking it for in some ways, some of the exact same reasons. Now, some of it could be like not enough food for them. And so they're, they're going into the cabinets, but also it could be that they're looking for that alone time too, because they're monitored all the time too. Totally. Right. And they've had all of their activities and things stripped away too you know it's like they don't have the practices or the rehearsals or the friend time that they did the school time that they did like Mm. any of those things and so they could be left feeling you know isolated and frustrated and bored and all sorts of things and so yeah food is something that again it's normal to turn to to cope with so it makes sense if that's happening. And, and I think you actually brought up a great point going back to, you know, moms and kids that it could be because there's not enough food. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we didn't even talk about this in terms of adults, but the exact same thing is true that if we are, again, upset with our body, if we're feeling uncomfortable, maybe because during 
you know, the pandemic or any time mm-hmm. we've gained a little bit of weight or we just don't like our bodies or um, we're just trying to diet or do a plan or whatever these things are, if we're, or maybe we're beating ourselves up because we did, you know, binge eat or feel like we overate the night before or whatever. If if we're doing that and then we're setting ourselves up by saying like, oh, I have to be better today or I have to eat the right food or I have to do the plan and I'm not allowed to eat more or whatever, we might actually not be getting enough food and then we're left feeling physically, mentally, and emotionally deprived mm-hmm. of food. And mm-hmm. then we find ourselves turning to it as a way to make up for not having enough or not having the foods that uh, we really want and crave. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's true with the kids too. You know, if they're not getting enough to eat or, um, I think like you said too, you know, if, if they're not getting enough, that could be for, you know, different reasons. It Mm -hmm. could be parents are concerned about their kids eating too much. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it could be that kids are going through a growth spurt and Mm -hmm. they just need some more food and maybe, parents are, you know, worried about that. And so they're not providing as much, or I've seen things going around where it's like, you know, my kids want to snack all day. So they have to like earn, like they'll set up like the the chore system type of things where they get paid and then they can buy food or, or the things where they put out just like a set. And I'm not saying like some of these things are the worst things in the world. I don't want to, you know, shame anyone for doing them because I know we're all just trying to get by and figure out the best, you know, systems possible to make us sane so but it's just like what message might that be sending to your child you know and and so there's those things too where I've seen like okay here's one snack box it's like a little basket or something it's like these are your snacks for the day if you finish them first thing in the day you're done right for the rest of the day for your snacks and it's just again that sense of like scarcity for them and will I get enough food and do I have to ration my food like it doesn't set up any sense of um, food will be provided for me regularly. I can trust that I can eat as much as I want because it feels like it's limited. Right. And that too could perpetuate, um, you know, the, the turning to food and the sneak eating for kids as well. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah, those, I, I definitely um, connect with everything what you're saying. I remember when those, when I first started seeing some of those things on like um, social media and like, Connecting on on two levels, right? As a clinician, I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, and as a mom, being like, uh, yeah, I I get it. I get the anxiety. I get the frustration. I get the exhaustedness and feeling like, literally, like this idea of like, if we could just put it in a box, right? <laughs> like that's yeah. essentially what we're trying to do. Let's just put it in a box and fix it, and then having that moment. So it's a really relating as a mom, but then as a clinician being like, um, but it's just not how it works. <laughs> it just, it's just, right. doesn't and, tend and to that's be how like, it works. Like, I always ask my parents, um, that I work with, like, I really want you to think like, if you were in your child's shoes, what message might that be sending yeah. to them? Yeah. You know, how might that feel? And if we can really think about that, sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, I had the best of intentions, but this might be how it could be taken. And maybe it wouldn't, but right. is the potential for that harm right. worth it? Right, right, exactly. And and that's, you know, that's with access, right? And then we have sort of the very difficult and profound um, situation of when there's actually, you know, there's, 
it's the end of the month <laughs> and we don't have the money yet to buy, right. you know, um, what we need. And, and we're sort of like down to the end and, and how difficult um, and, and profoundly layered that experience is and, and how we need to be creating, you know, and helping people get access to the foods that they need. Um, because it's not just about a management, you know, it's not about a behavior management situation. Exactly. It's like that, you know, getting my children fed and, and all that we see with, with disordered eating around that as well. Like for mom sacrificing, um, all of their own foods so that their kids can be fed. And then we see the disordered eating as well around that as well. So Sorry to sort of throw a curveball in there too, but just there's so many layers here with this particular experience as well, I think, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And that's, it's very true that, you know, access to food is a huge issue um, on a much deeper level than just like, you know, can we get to the store, but really having um, the funds to be able to provide and absolutely. And that, you know, can um, have its, gosh, I'm like just hesitating with this because it can have its consequences as well, right, with, with kids not being fed. And that's not to, to blame parents. And no. it's with parents not being fed enough, right, you know, right, and it's, right. it's not to blame anyone. It's really a part of our system yeah. that needs to be fixed. Yeah. It's not on the parents. And it's just, it does, though, it creates um, that real true scarcity. And when we're talking about physiologically needing enough food, mm. I mean, that's like the hierarchy of needs, mm. right? We mm. need to get those basic needs met to be able to function on any other level. And food is one of those. And when we don't have those needs met, it absolutely is going to um, shape the way that we view food in our bodies and our relationship with food as well. Yeah. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. I think, um, you know, thinking about this in particular um, and and thinking about uh, some things sort of like close to both our hearts in terms of um, having the pleasure of talking to you at uh, on on the Friday of National Eating Disorders Awareness Week and how how eating disorders are so um, prevalent in our culture and feel like they've really, um, you know, people have sort of really experienced so much difficulty around this pandemic and eating disorders. Um, I especially feel like in, in terms of this podcast, um, if we could really speak to sort of the challenge of managing and staying in recovery or managing a recovery process while you're trying to feed your child and sort of the things that, that we see can come up for people and, um, you know, what helps people sort of ferry their way through that around these particularly difficult circumstances. Only a little question, Nicole, just like a little question <laughs> to answer. <laughs> I know. Easy one minute answer. Right. Yeah. Lot, in right? in <laughs> um twenty words or less, please go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, right? It's it's a lot though. Like you said, I mean, I think for so many, like recovery, 
it can feel like a full-time job Ugh. in itself, just yeah. feeding yourself, you know? It's like the, the active piece of just making sure that you have food available for yourself. And then on top of that, the emotional piece of what that feels like to consistently be feeding yourself and mm. all the thoughts and feelings that come with that, that you're trying to work through and continue to eat at the mm. same time mm. and eat in a way that feels good. Mm. And so just that alone and then having children to take care of is yeah. like taxing enough, right? Yeah. Like without anything else thrown into the mix, it's just a lot. Um, so I think just the, your physical aspect and emotional aspect of just having all that on your, um, you know, literal and proverbial plate. plate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's a lot. Um, I think a lot too that comes up is the the triggers that mm. maybe um, kids can bring up mm-hmm. for for parents or caregivers in that sense that like. You know, watching my child eat and the certain foods they eat or the speed of their eating or the amount that they're eating can really bring up a lot of feelings in parents. And I think, again, it's like that cycle, right, of like, oh, my gosh, they're doing this. And it it leads us to, you know, our thoughts about ourselves with food or us wanting to control their behavior. And then often we feel bad about it because we don't want to give them our issues that we say we have. And it's just like... Oh, so much. But I think a lot of just watching our kids eat and feeling like we don't want to pass on our own eating stuff to them mm-hmm. and then feeling the feelings that they might be bringing up in us about our own struggles with food. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, whether that's that, you know, they're eating too fast and maybe that seems like they're out of control with food. They're going to mm-hmm. eat too much or they're going to be in a larger body and I don't want them to struggle with that like I did mm-hmm. or the society's so harsh and, mm-hmm. you know, so we don't want them to be in the bigger body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just seeing that or seeing certain types of foods, while parents say a lot, like it's hard because, you know, I really um, teach the vision of responsibility and allowing your child to choose to eat whatever they want from what you provide. And that might mean that they don't eat some of the things that you offer, um, but you're trusting them Mm -hmm. to eat, um, you know, from the food that you provide. And so if your child does only choose to eat the bread or the pasta or whatever, and they forego the chicken or the eggs or, you know, whatever that protein or um, produce might be or whatever that, that that can bring up a lot of feelings like, oh, they're eating so unhealthy. They're never going to like vegetables. I failed as a parent. I, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's so many things like that. And so and just watching our kids eat can bring up a lot of fear and doubt in ourselves that can be um, really triggering for us if we're trying to heal our own relationships with food as well. And, and like I said, not wanting to pass on our own struggles to them either. Mm. Yeah. So hard, so hard. And and breathing through that, so difficult. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's what you said, right? Like how do we how do we help them? And I think that's it. It's it's taking that pause, right? Mm-hmm. Like noticing I want to react and taking that breath and really pausing and thinking about like, okay, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of having like one liners in your pocket, you know, like the way my child eats means nothing about me Mm. or I trust my child to feed themselves in the way they need. Like 
just having those sayings that you know resonate with you that you can use in that moment and recognizing what those triggers are for you. Mm. And so I start making a list of them, you know, like these are the triggers that I notice when my child only eats um, the pasta at a meal, I feel like all these feelings arise in me. I want to react. I want to force them to eat something else. I want to say something when they're eating fast. I want to tell them to slow down. Um, I want to force them to try a bite of everything, like what, whatever it might be um, that's coming up inside of you. You might make a list of all of those things and then really think about, okay, how can I reframe that thought? How can I have that one-liner for when I notice this coming up in me? And I teach parents to just, completely not comment at the table like Mm. just do not comment so Mm -hmm. that's going to mean that you're feeling that reaction and how do you breathe through that Mm -hmm. and notice what's coming up for you um and not comment towards your child's eating wow i love it (laughs) i love it jess is gonna lose her mind when she listens to this um (laughs) it's it's so wonderful i i mean i love the i love the one-liners um it's funny i i come back to what your one your one-liner that um i think about you when we talk about you know with the kids we'll say um it's it's that's just not available right now or this is what's available and I I like literally think of talking with you and sort of getting that verbiage from you and um and how effective that is and so I really um I'm really thinking about that those one-liners especially the one um how your child eats isn't necessarily to do with you right or like it doesn't have to do with you um how you said it right exactly yeah like it's just not a reflection of me it's right? not a like reflection how they of eat you. is not a reflection right. of me or it has nothing to do with me you right. know it just right. just really separating from that and letting them be themselves with food and I mean in terms of talking about you know helping yourself and that availability piece that you just mentioned I think for, you know, the parents on here really, um, really getting clear with that. And the division of responsibility is a great approach to feeding that can help with that. So Mm. if anyone's not familiar, I highly recommend checking out the work of Ellen Satter Mm -hmm. and understanding the division of responsibility. Um, I post about it a lot as well on like my Instagram and Facebook page and everything too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, to really help parents understand more that their job is to provide food regularly and consistently and to provide a variety of food as much as is possible, you know, based on their circumstances. And once they do that piece, it's really then time for them to trust their child to eat from what they provide. And we're allowing our children to listen to their body. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not just a, you know, free for all. That doesn't mean that we're saying, you know, let them raid the cupboards and get whatever they want whenever they want. Mm -hmm. There's some structure involved in that. And honestly, that structure could be really helpful too for um, a caregiver who is trying to work on their own recovery, mm-hmm. you know, having those structured mm-hmm. meals and snacks could be really beneficial for them to feed themselves consistently. If, you know, okay, I'm offering meals and snacks to my child and I'm going to sit and eat with them too. And that can really, can really help everybody to create that structure. But within that to, um, listen to your body and allow all foods and, um, to really trust yourself to eat and to trust your child to eat as well yeah wow 
so profound. I think um, the when I'm I'm so struck by this idea of like not identifying ourselves as the type of like quality of parent around our child feeding, mm. right? That yeah. I I think that's such a deep form and and challenging form of self care for ourselves as parents is that. Um, I feel like we so identify ourselves as good or bar- bad parents based on how our children are performing, quote unquote. Um, and I'm so struck. This is really sort of circling um, me back in terms of that piece with food. But I, I, I think about, um, I read this book. I'll put it in the show notes. I've completely forgot. I think it's called like Raising Resilient Children or something like that. Um, and, and I have very sensitive kids. And um, something that was so powerful Uh, Again, I'm labeling them, but just for shorthand. And um, he talked, the author talked about um, people who have just intrinsically resilient kids. It makes them feel like better parents, but they aren't necessarily any better parents than the child who is, you know, like an orchid child, just like super sensitive, has all the feels, all the reactions. And it was, it was so powerful for me. And I, and I'll like sort of remind people of that, especially with sleep. I'm like, sometimes you have easy sleepers and people who have easy sleepers think that they're really good at sleep training <laughs> and, they <laughs> might just have, and they might be right. They might really respect sleep, but they also might have really easy sleepers. Right. And so that idea of like not identifying ourselves based on how our children are behaving. Oh, absolutely. I think. I mean, it's a work in progress for me. <laughs> I'm like, really? Like, constantly. Oh, gosh. Yeah, our children's behavior. And, and that's what, right? When we talk about reactions, I mean, that's absolutely something I'm working on mm-hmm. is my own reactions to that and why I react so much. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just thinking that it, it, it is about me and not, not so much consciously, but, you know, diving deeper and realizing that. Right. and. I see exactly what you said so much in, um, like, my Facebook group. Parents, I'll post something about that. Like, you're, you know, not a bad parent if your child doesn't eat vegetables or something. And, um, you know, parents will comment, like, exactly, like, thank you for saying this because I have one child that will eat everything under the sun and the next one eats five foods and we're having a really hard time with and, like we've done nothing different, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just like we see these parents that have the kids that eat, you know, kale and quinoa salad. And yep. it's like, oh, how'd you do that? And, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, well, I started, you know, they always have just eaten what we've eaten. And it's like, well, so have a million other parents done yes, that. And yeah, yeah. it didn't go that way yeah. for them. And that's not to, you know, say that anyone's better or worse or anything, but it's just like you said, you know, some kids just have a different temperament or more adventurous or more selective. And yes, there are absolutely things as parents that we can do to support that and things that we don't want to do that, you know, may perpetuate the selective eating or whatever it might be. But um, at the same time, a huge piece of it is the temperament. And I laugh at what you said about the the sleeping and stuff too, because we have a family member who I adore 
and her first child, though, you know, she had like put on that perfect. I don't remember which one it was, but one of the scheduled, you know, very popular, like scheduled, sure. you know, yeah. sleep, like plans, all of that. And yeah. it was like, this kid did it to a T. And it was like, oh, my gosh, she's just done it so well. And right. All the people in the family are just mm-hmm. like, oh, that kid and that mom is like so perfect. And then she had her next uh-huh. kid. <laughs> and like, <laughs> she tried to do the exact same thing. And finally gave up and she's like, he just won't do it. I did it. And she's like, I thought that I did everything right with the first. And she's like super, you know, open about it and yeah, laughs about yeah. it and doesn't take it as anything. She's like, yep, that's, that's what it was though. Yeah. I did, you know, whatever. Um, but everyone's just like, Oh, if you do it this right way, it'll work. And she's right. like, Nope, Nope. I did it exactly the right, right. way both times, right. quote unquote, the right way. Yeah, yeah. And these two different creds, one took to it and one absolutely did not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's nothing to do. Same parent. Nothing to do with your parenting or how good or bad you are or anything like that. Or that, yeah, and and certainly not about how quote unquote good and bad the kids are, right? Like it's that's exactly. not at all that. Just just no. just to be really clear about that before we move on. Yes, I I love what um you've really done with your work in intuitive eating and and really, um I feel like you've done some myth busting <laughs> that's been great <laughs> and um really helped people understand more and more about what it is, um. What are, you know, I definitely feel like people sort of have that kind of like mind blowing at first moment, like, oh my goodness, it's what? And I can have what? And I (laughs) stop when? And I eat when? But what do you feel like are some of the the challenges when people are sort of continuing in their journey and it's been, you know, a certain amount of time and they, they feel like they're really fully bought in, but they continue to struggle. Like what are some of the struggles that you feel like you see um, in the long-term intuitive eating uh, journey for some folks? Yeah, I think some of it is that like unstructured piece that feels um, like, what am I doing then? <laughs> you know, like, is it, but not following a plan. It's like, okay, at first it feels exciting and, and scary and overwhelming and all those things. But then like after a little while, it's like, well, is this really it? Like, is this it? Or yeah. should I be doing something? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like I'm not doing anything. Yeah. And we're taught that we're supposed to like control what we eat and control our body. Yeah. So what does this mean then, you know? And sometimes to feel too like, am I doing intuitive eating right? Mm. (laughs) I get that a lot. Like, (laughs) is this the right? Or (laughs) as one client's always like, but is that intuitive eating? I'm like, oh, just drop intuitive eating. Stop trying to do it. (laughs) I'm not talking about it anymore like it's a thing because it's like, (laughs) you know, like, you know, there's no right or wrong. Like, this is your journey. And yes, we're using these like basic ideas and principles, but it's not just that, you know, it's it's really about this whole approach and philosophy of just eating and listening to your own internal cues and, um, you know, recognizing that there's no good or bad food and listening to your body and trusting your body. But it's not like one behavior or one um, practice exactly is going to be yes or no intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. And I say to my clients like, a lot, they'll be like, well, I don't know if this, I'm like, that's not what it's about. We really have to look at 
what was going through your head when you decided to make that choice? What was the intention behind it? How did it feel to you? Mm. Because that's really what it is. Like if you choose a salad, it's not about that you chose a salad. That doesn't mean you're back to dieting and it doesn't mean that you're intuitively eating. Like it's not <laughs> about the food, yeah. you know, it's really about what was going into that. And so I just think it feels really confusing for some people, kind of like with that example I just gave too, that when, you know, maybe they get through that kind of honeymoonish phase and maybe they are wanting to say like, okay, maybe a salad would feel good or maybe adding some veggies to my meal would feel good. But then they have all these thoughts about, well, is that restrictive? Is that dieting? Mm -hmm. And it makes sense why we have these thoughts, like if that's what we've been doing for so long. But that that part feels really confusing. Like, I don't know. Or maybe it feels triggering. Like I used to force myself to only be allowed to eat the salads off the menu or to get the smoothies for breakfast every day. And it's like, I don't know if I even like smoothies. I kind of want to try them, but I don't know. And then it brings up these feel. And so it's just working through that. And it's a process, you know, to really look at what our feelings are and uh, what's coming up for us and to get back to our thoughts and intentions instead of just focusing on behavior because you can eat anything Mm -hmm. and that could be eating intuitively or you could eat anything and that could be still having restrictive guidelines around food you know so it's not really the food itself it's really looking at your um, motivation for it as always brilliant for sure (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) it's not about the food 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 (laughs) right that's what I'm like it's not about food and it kind of is about food. Yeah. So how do we talk about the food, but then how do we always recognize that it's also not about the food? Right. You know, it's right. like it is and it isn't in right. so many ways. Yeah, so. yeah. it's such a red herring and, 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 and a helpful place to start, right? Like so that you can just like, okay, let's just start talking about it and then we'll pull away from it pretty quickly. Yeah. Right, exactly. Oh, I was just going to add one more thing to that. But the other thing that I think can feel really hard about intuitive eating, I just wanted to... Um, to mention, you know, for those that might be struggling with it too, is that sometimes it can feel isolating. Mm. Like other people just don't understand or all my friends are doing X, Y, and Z, like MLM, you know, shakes over here or whatever, these supplements or they're on this, you know, keto or intermittent fasting. It's like all these things and it can feel like I should be doing that too, or is this really the right way, or they just don't understand, or yeah. I want to change them, I wish they would understand, and and that that piece of it can feel hard, and so I just wanted to encourage anyone to, you know, find support where they can, and I think we're so lucky now that we have the virtual world for that reason, like, yeah. it, it can be a toxic place to be, and it can be really beneficial, so if you find the right kind of segments and surround yourself with people that are on the same journey and that make you feel good about it, uh, that can become, you know, your community. Um, or maybe you have a friend that wants to do it too, but I really encourage anyone who is doing this journey to find some sort of support, whether it's community or professional or whatever it might be, um, so that they don't feel alone because it, it can feel um, a little bit isolating in that sense. 
Such a great point. Um, I, I absolutely love what you're saying and, and actually wanted to, to reference the support group earlier when you were mentioning your support group um, and how key that can be that if you're just surrounded by other voices and sort of those, you know, toxic and damaging voices, even though they might still be your sort of special people, that's a really difficult package to balance. And, and if you're feeling already isolated in this and on top of that, like your people kind of um, aren't getting it. I think that's such a great point. Like how, how do people find support? And um, you know, that it's really been a gift that so many things have gone online. That's such a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. So it's always fun to talk to you and it's always fun to, um, you know, be, sort of talking about these things with you but we also have sort of like to end with those sort of fun questions on mama bites and I know in the past we've asked about like your favorite kid food and I was sort of curious about like what's your favorite snack lately do you have a favorite snack yeah so what is my favorite snack lately um one thing I've really been enjoying doing actually is making myself like a um a little like snack plate of different foods. I feel like over the holidays we had more, um, you know, fun foods like different cheeses and different crackers and some different flavored nuts and a little bit of dried fruit because I was making more like, you know, charcuterie boards for everyone or whatever. And and so I got into the habit of doing that, you know, for myself for snacks. And so um, I really enjoy just putting together a little like afternoon plate to, a snack on that has um you know a variety of just little bites so that's one of my favorites these days yeah snack snack board I love it exactly yeah there's something about putting something on a cutting board and then just leaving there and not cutting it it's very exciting in our house <laughs> <too>. <laughs> totally. and I and I I definitely want to sort of honor your um your social media um, sort of savvy and presence with um, now I'm not on TikTok and I just, I, I don't manage my social media. Great. <laughs> it exhausts me. Um, but what you've done with your videos are so great and set to music. So much fun. What's, what's your, what's your jam? What's your song lately right now, Nicole? <laughs> Well, thank you. I know, you know, I created a TikTok account at one point and I don't use it either. So I'm like all Instagram for that. And then, you know, I do my Facebook thing too. But um, I've, I scroll through TikTok every now and again and I'm like, this can suck you in. So yeah, yes, <laughs> down the rabbit hole. Exactly. Um, oh, but they are fun to create little videos. So, oh my gosh, I laugh because I'm not the biggest like, I don't like I'm not the biggest music person because I um, I like grew up. It's so funny. I grew up listening to like country when I was in like junior high and high school. And so mm-hmm. um, whenever we're like sitting around, we'll like have fires in the backyard, the family over or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the music comes on and we're always like, and it's like, oh, here goes Nicole. She'll start <laughs> busting out her favorite country songs. But um, <laughs> so that's my go-to. But what I can also say is actually when I'm really looking for some motivation I or when I'm like doing um something that I need to feel some motivation or confidence in my go-tos are um brave 
by uh, Sarah. Uh, I don't know how to say names very well. Sarah Bareilles. Yeah. Uh huh. Right? Uh-huh. And then uh, Fight Song by Rachel <gasps> Flatten. Those are my two go-to. So mm-hmm. it only takes one. <laughs> what is it? It only takes one match to make an explosion, or one spark to make an explosion. Yep. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Excellent. Fabulous. Well, this was wonderful. Thank you so much, Nicole. Now, you are on the gram. You're on Facebook and wonderful on both. Um, I've definitely noticed um, some pretty fabulous looking online courses on your site as well. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. So, yes, I am on Instagram. I'm Nicole Cruz RD and I'm pretty active there. Mm -hmm. And then also on um, Facebook, I have a Facebook page, Nicole Cruz RD. And I also have a Facebook group. It's a free private group called Joyful Eating for Your Family. And that's really geared towards, like I mentioned, the division of responsibility and just raising our kids to have a healthy relationship with food. Um, And then I do, I have an online course that I'm in the middle of right now, and I will be opening up again um, in the next couple months for sure. And that is called Feed Your Family with Confidence. And um, it's going great. I have a great group of moms in there right now. And um, yeah, it's just, it's like some, you know, online material that you can kind of look at in your own time that's really educational and goes through worksheets and has you explore your own relationship with food as well as really teaching about um, how to feed kids and then I give like specific you know scripts and things that you say Mm -hmm. when this happens you know Mm -hmm. say this not that like that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. um, and how to serve your family so we do that and then we also have live Q&A's and everything so that you get to check in and um, ask all the questions that you have so that's going fabulously and I'm super excited to um, open it up again in, in the next couple months. Oh that's such a great resource fantastic and it sounds like it's full of your one-liners your trademark nicole cruz one-liners <laughs> nicole cruz tm yes <laughs> excellent well fabulous i'm sure so many of the moms are going to end up over there and um it's been so wonderful to talk with you and have you again well thank you and likewise we always love chatting with you and um yeah it's just it's great to get to connect, and it's awesome that we get to do so from um, opposite ends of the country. I so. know. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Very cool. So that's it, moms. That's the last bite for today. But in case you're hungry for more, head on over to the Mama Bites website. That's M-O-M-M-A, Mama Bites website, and stream more of our podcasts. Or find them anywhere that you find your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. And don't forget to stop by Instagram and definitely come on by our Facebook group, The Mama Bites Lunch Table. We'd love to have you there. And until we meet again next time, remember, motherhood is a long journey. Don't forget to pack some snacks.